Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to the podcast, The Lotus Eaters, for the 25th of May, 2023. I'm joined by Nick Buckley, uh, mayoral candidate for Manchester. If you're in Manchester, go and vote for him, uh, because he wants to bring back the death penalty. Not that he can, but that's just a, <laughs> a positive aspect of Nick's uh, political position. But uh, today we're going to be talking about how I was right about Mizzy. I totally called it. I was right about all of it. And um, the Conservatives really should start thinking about this, but they're not, because they're spending all of their time wasting all of our damn money. And... Selling out the country, we have reached new heights of self-destruction. Uh, so we're going to be really enjoying all that today, I can see. Um, haven't got any good news. Have we got any good news? We no. Start with some? No. No, it's all bad. <laughs> <I'm afraid. laughs> um, but we'll put a smile on it. Um, hopefully it won't be terrible. But uh, tomorrow at 3.30pm British time, if you're a gold tier subscriber to the website... Do come over and join us for the Gold Tier Zoom call where Stelius and I will be chatting to you guys and telling you about some of the future plans that we have and things like that. But anyway, let's get into it. So, I was totally right about Mizzy. Completely right. Because this, this cleavage that has opened up between mainstream British culture and the subcultures, as in the product of multiculturalism, uh, is now bearing fruit. You can mm. see where this is all coming from. So yesterday, I did, or not yesterday, on Monday I think it was, I did uh, a live stream uh, when Mizzy became the, the current thing, uh, just talking about it, saying, what does Mizzy reveal about London and, more broadly, this country in general? And I do suggest that you go and watch it, because I'm so totally on the money. And then Mizzy just came out and essentially just said everything that I said he would say. Right. So I was arguing that, look, Mizzy doesn't really understand morality in the way we understand morality. Right. He's not plugged into the mainstream British moral consensus, he has a separate moral consensus, a multicultural, a, a subcultural moral consensus, and he doesn't recognise ours. And he's got no particular reason to recognise ours because we are so pathetically weak. Mm. He doesn't respect that. He, restrict, he respects strength, and he literally says this in his interview with Piers Morgan. He doesn't respect us because we don't demonstrate strength. And his pranks themselves are predicated, I'm sure you saw the videos yes. of them, right? They're predicated on the idea that there is a violent youth culture of which the bearers of this culture are, a large portion of them are young black men. So they're not young black women, they're not older black men, they're not like recently arrived Africans, but they are indigenous London immigrants, right? The children of immigrants. And... They've grown up in London, and they have a certain kind of culture, and Mizzy knows what this culture is, right? And he, he even makes reference to, like, you know, I didn't go around stabbing people. Oh, really? Why did you say that? Why wasn't it something else? You know, mm. you didn't go around knocking on doors and asking people if they want to join the Mormon faith, you know, because that's not a feature of that culture. And you know, and he knows that you know. And he also knows that you think he's armed with a knife, and he knows that you aren't. That's why the pranks work as they do and so when he goes up to someone and says do you want to die i can make you die right now he knows that he's put in their mind oh here is a man bearing a certain kind of culture who's been born and raised in london probably and is ha has his hands in his pockets probably has a knife mm. and so you have to now live in fear of your own life during the interaction that you have because you're probably dealing with a lunatic who is fine with stabbing strangers right that's what is predicated that's what's presumed in these interactions and, uh, and I was, of course, right about this. And so, anyway, today or yesterday, it was revealed that Mizzy was fined £365 in total <coughs> over his pranks. It was £200 initially, but then he had to pay, like, you know, Court pounds, costs and court victim costs, yeah. surcharge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unbelievably low amount, £365. 
I'm amazed it was that high. Frankly. I'm amazed he got fined. Yeah. I'm amazed he got a two-year court order. Yeah. And I'm amazed it all took something like 36 hours. For our system at the moment, that that's fantastic. You, you could tell that the system could see a massive amount of public outrage. And was just like, oh, we better do something about mm. this. So, they, you know, a female police officer went and gingerly arrested him. It looked like it was staged with the cameras. And they've taken him in, given him the lightest slap on the wrist that he could have. And uh, he's been banned from posting any content on social media without the express permission of the people in his videos and entering any private residential property without permission for two years. Now, there are going to be people like, well, what a minute. <laughs> Isn't he bad from not entering people's property without permission? Uh, the difference is uh, normally that's a civil charge of trespassing yeah. and this would be a criminal charge. Uh, so he is technically not allowed, but it would be a civil case uh, otherwise. Uh, the judge was a very, very new judge. Judge Charlotte Crangle. We get to the BBC one. Uh, this is a brand new judge. She's only been there for like a month. So fresh female judge who uh, gave him this. She ordered him to pay £200 with a surcharge of 80 and costs of £85. He's going to learn nothing from this. Well, the judge, the judge said he's very intelligent. He's yep. got a good future ahead of him. Yeah. It's just that liberal wishy-washy yeah. rubbish we've been getting for 30 40 50 years yeah. from our court system i mean the fact that he doesn't seem to share our morality is totally unempathetic to the victims <clears throat> of his pranks and the and i mean it's not unfair to call it a reign of terror you know he, he has been terrorizing people that's what he's doing the the joke is that he puts them in fear for their lives that's and they know it and everyone watching it knew it and that's why it was such a big deal that's why everyone hated it Young black men are stabbing people to death in London almost daily. Yeah. They tend to be other young black men, but not always. No. So if you've got a young black man in front of you who's pretending to have a knife or saying, I'm going to kill you, do you want to die? You're bound to fear for your life. And on Why top of that, you're thinking to yourself, do I hit him? Mm. Or he's black. Mm. Will I be classed as racist if I mm. smack him one? What happens if he hasn't got a knife? What yeah. happens if there's five more of him round the corner? And all these things are going yeah. through your mind. We had the guy in New York substation jumped on that criminal mm -hmm. headlock. Yeah. He ended up dying. Penny, He's been yeah. arrested for murder. So yeah. you're terrified of doing anything now mm -hmm. to an ethnic minority in case you get called racist. And we're willing to die to do he, something. And it's not just anything. Self-defense has become something that you are afraid to do. Yeah. And it's because the system is so rigged in favour of one against another. So anyway, uh, of all the people to speak to Mizzy and discuss why he does the things he does, of course it was Piers Morgan. Britain's premier buffoon, who frankly just embarrassed himself talking to Mizzy, which is just, again, just, just, just the last... Piers Morgan, to me, like I was saying before we started... It's just the sign that our civilization has totally run out of any vitality. Mm. Like Piers just has no idea why Mizzy just completely rejects the moral framework that he has and doesn't care and appears totally remorseless. Let's play the first clip. What has been motivating you to terrorize the people around where you live? Why do mm. it? I wouldn't really call it terrorizing, I'll just call it more having fun. But let's get this out of the way first. I apologize. You see this situation that blew up on the internet, the walking into random houses? The next day, I apologised to the woman because I felt bad, innit? Like, deep in her social media, like, it went deep in her social media, that's why I didn't record it. She recorded me 
apologizing to her. I told her sorry, and she explained that she was terrified because her children were in the house. And I understood What were you it. doing in the house? Was I doing in the house? I don't know, it was a stupid video. Like, I got peer pressure to, to say. I don't want to say it like in that way, but- Well, somebody else's fault. I'm not, I'm not blaming no one else. I mean, you break into the house with a, with, a, with a woman and a husband and two I young, went into the house on my kids. own accord. No, I'm just saying, OK, you went through their door, right? Mm. But it's not your house. You're not supposed to be in there. Oh, no shit. You are causing a lot of alarm to that poor woman and to her children who are in the house. So you'll notice that Pierce goes, well, you were terrorising that woman. He's like, I wasn't terrorising her. I was just having fun. She told me she was terrified. Yeah. You <clears> were literally terrorising her doesn't care, is smirking about it, right? So don't don't think you can morally judge this person that in a way that he's going to accept. He doesn't mm. care. He does not care. He is from a different moral paradigm. He's grown up in a totally different world. He is a complete product of social media, and he doesn't respect anything about us. That's what you've got to understand. Um, and <laughs> he doesn't seem to be the best and brightest. I mean, the judge can say, oh, he's an intelligent young man, but I'm not sure he is. Let's watch this next clip. You go up and you do these things. You take a dog from an elderly woman. You leapfrog over the top of an orthodox Jewish man standing at the side of the road, minding his own business. You go up to women in the street and say, do you want to die? It wasn't a woman, it was a man. And she even There says, were also women that you did this There was a woman there, but I only say it to a man. Right. You shouldn't be saying it to anybody. Fair enough. But why, are you, why, in the name of so-called prankster humour, why cause so much alarm and distress to so many people? Do you get your kicks out of doing that? Not necessarily, but you could say that this whole public outroar just makes me laugh because people are getting hurt over something that didn't happen to them. And that's how I see it as. What do you mean? People are getting hurt over something that didn't happen to them. Everyone acts like they, they have this persona, like they don't care, or uh, social media is a facade, this, that, and the other. But when me comes out and does the mad thing, everyone has something it's to say. Mad. So he doesn't really seem to understand hypothetical conditionals. Mm. As in, what would be what would be the case if something had happened? And he was just like, well, it didn't happen to them. Yeah, I know, but they're thinking this could have been me. He's not even thinking that. He's been in this situation dozens and dozens of mm. times. If you replace Piers Morgan with head teachers, mm. probation officers, police officers, mm. he sat across them dozens of times, mm. ex making excuses and trying to defend his actions. And that's all he's doing now. This is how he reacts to a headmaster role model speaking yeah, yeah, to him true. like that. But, but the, the, the content of what he said there, I find interesting. Because he, when Piers is like, well, you know, how, how would it feel? He's just like, but it didn't happen to them. It's like, yeah, I know. We know that it didn't happen to these people. But it could happen to these people because you are actively out there doing it. And so you were essentially a threat to the concept of justice in this country. And he's just, it didn't happen to them. It's like, that's not how, that's not how thinking works. You know? He, it's also a, it's a lack of empathy. Oh, totally. But I, I mean, I was going to get to that. If he had empathy, he wouldn't be doing these tricks in the first place. But, but empathy is based on a conditional hypothetical. What if that was me? Mm. You know, you have to put yourself in someone else's position. Mm. And he can't, mm. you know? And I'm, okay, I mean, perhaps he's just not smart enough. Perhaps he's just been habituated in the wrong way. Um, but as you say, totally devoid of empathy. Can't put himself, won't put himself in another person's position. Uh, and this is the worldview of this kind of underclass, this multicultural, you know, this this separate weird culture that sprung up. And he's representative of them. So it's like, right, yeah. okay. he, he doesn't see them as his group. No, not at all. Do you ever feel 
sympathy for the chickens you eat. Not very much. There we go. And that's exactly how he sees those other parts of the population yes. as chickens. Yes. And he knows that they're unarmed. He knows that they're not going to do anything because yep. they'll lose their jobs, blah, blah, blah. And so he doesn't care about them at all. He can't understand why he should care yep. about them. You know, saying, well, what if this happened? Yeah, but it didn't happen. Yeah, but that's not the answer to what if this happened. You know, to say that it didn't happen is not the answer to the what if conditional. But uh, but anyway, he does have one form of morality that uh, I find very amusing. Let's watch. No, it's not what? mad, it's moronic. It's the kind of thing anybody could do, mm. and you do it for kicks and you do it for clicks, and you get your little moment on TikTok, and presumably your peer group that you referenced earlier, they all think, good on you, good on you, Mizzy, this is hilarious. Meanwhile, some poor woman thinks you've stolen her dog and is traumatised. Another woman has her two kids and you're bursting into their house uninvited. All right. right you're jumping on Jewish people. See, I was right, jumping already... on Jewish people. Hold up, wait yeah, a minute, wait, 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 no, no, stop. You did. Cool, it was a Jewish person, cool. But there was a trend going around on TikTok called 300. I've done this to numerous people, black people, white people, Asian, any mm. types of people, I don't discriminate. So don't stop saying orthodox Jewish person like I only targeted him and it was only him that I went for. Oh, wow. <clears throat> He's not a racist. That's because <laughs> the Victim Hub Olympics just kicked in then. But it's also, that's the, <clears throat> that's the only moral standard that he recognises, the overarching diversity and inclusion moral standard. <clears throat> like, it doesn't matter what he does to these people. He admits, oh, no, I just went around terrorising, you know, black people, white people, Jewish people, whoever, right? I terrorised this old woman, I made her afraid for her life. And when he, Piers Morgan says, you traumatise her, he's like, hmm. It's like, doesn't, doesn't matter. But I wasn't being a racist. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't discriminating, bro. As if that would be that that oh everything's justified then. Don't worry about it. Let it free to go. Mental. Mm. Absolutely mental that that's the moral standard. He terrorizes people for a joke, but he's not a racist. And I can't believe Piers Morgan just said to him, You only did this for views and clicks. Well duh. It's like well, you Piers got Morgan. Yeah, what have you got him on now, Piers? <laughs> exactly. You know, Christ. <laughs> but uh, but the point is Mizzy doesn't seem to have any remorse and doesn't really understand what the concept of remorse is. But then if he doesn't understand what empathy is, he doesn't understand why what a what a hypothetical conditional is, why would he understand what remorse is? Let's watch. Which why are you not? targeting anybody in that? What would you mean? Why am I targeting anyone? It was a trend. It was a trend. I just done it for a trend. What's Literally the trend? Plus. What's the trend? Three oh oh, jump over someone at the time of the beat. However much you scare them. How, however much you scare them. Or even if you push them into a car. No, that's, that, that didn't happen, though, because I saw... It didn't happen by It chance. didn't happen, but it didn't happen. A lot of the stuff that you do it didn't could have consequences far more serious. But you don't care, do you? As long as you get I a laugh... I have remorse. I have remorse for all of these You things. don't have I any have, remorse. What do you mean I don't have any remorse? How are you telling me? You have no remorse. Are you in my life? Do you live in my life? Right. So, again, what? doesn't understand the what-if conditional. You could have knocked someone into a car, mm. but I didn't. Okay, Mizzy. What did you have for breakfast yesterday? Um, but the, the point is, people who are remorseful actually don't act in this manner. Yeah. They actually say, oh, no, what I did was wrong. I didn't realize it was having an effect on people. But he was like, yeah, you're scaring people. I was like, yeah. That's, you, you're not remorseful over that. You know, that's, because they're not his people. Exactly. And there's no punishment for him doing it. You know, there's nothing, you know, he's not going to feel any pain for having done all of this, right? Like, but the, it's just fascinating how repeatedly he just can't understand what Piers is saying. Like, it's just totally out. What do you mean? I didn't push anyone into a car. But when you push the man into the road, a car could have hit me, but it didn't. But that's not the answer to that. You know, it doesn't follow. But, uh, but then, and as you say, I mean, we may as well get to the victimhood hierarchy because he knows that that exists. Let's watch. What's so bad about your life that makes you do this? I've been doing social media my whole this? life, innit? I, I, I just do it for fun. 
on or off camera, I do my thing. Tell me about your life. What justifies this? What do you What's happened about to you that makes you think you're justified in doing this? What do you mean, tell me about my life? Well, you said you, you, you don't know anything about your black. life. Tell me about your life. Because I'm get, uh, trying to get on to you because I'm black. Because I guarantee if because you're, you're black. Person, yeah, I guarantee if I don't a give a person, damn about your skin oh, colour. Really? No. Why would I care what colour your skin is? I just think you're an idiot. Oh, thank you. I think you're an idiot too. That's fine. You're perfectly entitled to. Yeah. So are you? So the show's called uncensored. I think you're an idiot for what you've been doing. I also think you're an idiot for playing the race car when no one's mentioned your skin colour. Really? Okay. You don't have to mention it to. I don't care about your skin colour, Lizzy. You can see the grin on his face there because he's totally reversed the dynamic. Now, Mizzy is interrogating Piers Morgan. Piers, mm. you're just a racist. I'm, I'm not a racist. How dare you? This is why I'm not... Piers, you're a moron. You're an absolute moron, right? Hey, you could just... Oh, so you're going full Ali G then, are you? And he wouldn't have known who that was and he would have just looked stupid, mm. right? But uh, Piers goes into virtue signaling mode, which is insufferable, and instead he could have just reversed it and go, well, what, are you saying that you do it because you're black? And he would be like, no. And I'd be like, okay, great. Why'd you bring it up? You know, and suddenly the whole thing would have been diffused he would have seemed like he was just virtue signaling. But Piers is just completely out to lunch and just like, oh no, don't think I'm a racist, don't think I'm a racist. Piers, why do you need his approval? He is the terrorist on your show that is completely disconnected from our moral systems and suddenly you're looking for his approval by going, I'm not a racist, I'm not a racist. Because he's bought in, Piers Morgan's bought into all this woke nonsense. He pretends he hasn't, but he has. Completely. It's just, but he's, he's such, such, such a dunce. So it's just like, okay, Piers, you absolute raging buffoon. And I, I Mrs. Hughes this before, like I said, can you imagine if you was 18 yeah. years old being put on national TV? It wouldn't have been me doing this. Would would you have been <laughs> able to be as composed no. as as no. Mizzy is? Because he's as you say, he's been through this. He's been through this times. hundreds of times. Yeah. Yeah. He knows the cards to pull, he knows what to say, he knows how to not answer a question by going, but no one got hurt. Yeah. There was yeah. no car. Yeah. He knows how to end questions because he's, he's well-practiced at this. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but Mizzy finally, <clears throat> in this interview, gets to the part that I, I'm i just so happy he just delivered to us as a, as a gift, actually. Because, as I said in the live stream, I actually don't hate Mizzy, right? I think I don't view Mizzy as, like, an agent, right? I don't view him as the author of his actions. Because, like I said, well, it was a trend, it was a trend. Mm. Yeah, because, like some young, you know, 18-year-old Zuma type... He's grown up on so in one of his videos. So I've been on social media since I was eight years old. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't he doesn't remember a world before social media. Yeah. All of his validation is virtual. This comes as Piers points from the clicks, and he is just someone who has buffeted along on the trends, like people like a leaf on the wind. Hmm. You know, he's just blown around, and he doesn't know why he's doing it. Oh, I'm, you know, and he was like, well, peer pressure is what he he called it. It's like yeah, because he just doesn't know. He, he's he's he can't help himself. He's got no way of resisting these things. And so he is just a creature of this environment. And also the environment in which he's in is a kind of multicultural bubble where we've, we've said, no, this is a protected class. This is a special, unique culture that the, the sort of, you know, the, the mainstream culture, oh, well, we would be racist mm. if we were to be, you know, um, telling them right from wrong. And so he just comes out and totally says what we all know. And everyone got angry about him for this. Let's watch. I care about the fact that you've been terrorising all these people for a sustained period of time. I also care about the fact you've only got a tiny fine today, no deterrent to you whatsoever. You don't show any real remorse. You don't UK, really care, do you? The UK laws are weak, simple as. And that's uh? not, the UK laws are weak, simple as, and that's uh. not my fault. 
That's not my fault. Like, in America, what, do your fam what do your family make of what you've been doing? Right, so Piers misses so much here yeah. because he's so dumb. Um, you notice they say, well, in America, and then Piers buffoonishly cuts him off, right? Because Mizzy was actually about to make a point about UK laws that's true, mm. that we can all see, and that we all have to labour under, that for him, the laws are weak. Now, as we were saying just before the podcast, for people like us, the laws are very strong. You know, if you were to call Mizzy the N-word or something, you'd be in jail. If you were to run a podcast where you said such things, you'd be in jail. But for Mizzy, the laws are very, very weak. Because, as you can see, we live in a two-tiered system. Ethnic minorities get special privileges. People who are not ethnic minorities do not get these privileges. And he knows this, which is why he mentioned his skin colour. Mm. He knows that this is a, a, a lever that he can pull in order to gain access to these privileges. He knows this, right? He weaponizes this against Piers, which works, because Piers is weak to this. He's like, I'm not racist, I'm not racist. Suddenly Mizzy is the inquisitor here. And then he just goes, well, UK laws are weak. And it's like, yeah, they are, to him. They are completely weak. And he's not a moral agent in the way that you expect morality to be uh, transacted. And so he goes, well, look, I'm going to just go as far as I can, as much as I can, and you're not going to stop me. It's like, okay, well, whose fault is this? It's not really his fault. He grew up in this environment. He's just a product yeah. of the environment. You know, he's a product of a broken home. He's the product of the unbelievable permissiveness when it comes to violence and intimidation that we have. So the fault really does lie with us. You know, Mizzy is essentially saying here, no, no, why aren't I being flogged? That's what he's saying. You are weak because you are not flogging me. And so I don't care what you have to say. You're not strong. You're not going to punish me. I'm going to do what I like until you flog me. This is what he's saying. And this is his moral view. Now what? There's something he said that no one seems to have picked up on when he said the UK law is weak. Mm. Why would you refer to the country you live in as UK law? You would refer to it That's as a great point. the law, our law, the yeah. laws rubbish in this country. Yeah. This conversation, you've never said the UK law is weak. It's because yeah, you don't point. have to use the word I spoke UK. from within the frame of our. Exactly. Yeah, and because, and so he doesn't see like quite a lot of um, mm. people like him. He doesn't see the UK as his. Mm. He sees it as just a place where he lives at the moment, probably. Well, that's exactly the point, isn't it? He's got no attachments to yeah. this place. And that's why he was making comparisons to other countries. He was about to make a comparison to America. Because he's like literally well in America and then Piers just bulldozes yeah. over him. But, um, but yeah, that's exactly right. He's, he doesn't see himself as being from this place. And in fact, he, we, we'll, in fact, in a couple of clips time, we'll get into that, exactly that, because you're exactly right. Um, but uh, so a lot of people are like, well, this is very clearly a fatherless behavior, obviously. Yeah. Let's watch. Oh, what did my family make? Well, I don't chat to my mum anymore. And why not? Why not? Because I just don't talk to her. It's irrelevant to you, but I just don't chat to her, innit? Mm -hmm. And well, my sisters are calm, but like, obviously they don't, fully commend what I do, but... Do any of your family condemn what you do? No, of course not. Like, obviously... They think it's all perfectly normal? No, there's certain videos that they'll be like, no, you can't be doing that. Like, especially just walking into the random houses, one. Certainly not. But that was more of a spur of the moment thing. I just got egged on and my ego got a hold of me. And I realised that at that moment, and that's why I went to apologise the next day, after it all blew up out of proportion, and I felt, like, bad, personally. I don't think you felt bad. So, you see there... No mention of a father. And doesn't speak to his mother. Yeah. What that, do your family think of this? Yeah. Well, my mum, yeah, but that's not what a young man would yeah. first go to, to be honest. You know, you, you would be like, well, my father is very annoyed and he gave me a thrashing. 
But of course, that's never happened. And his mother, like he says, doesn't speak to her. Yeah. And when he's like, do your family condemn you? Of course not. That's very interesting. I would like to see what Mizzy's mum has to say. Would, would she say, yeah, no, he's, he's in the wrong there? Or would she say, he's my son and I don't care, right or wrong? I would imagine she would say he's wrong, hence why they don't speak. Quite possibly. But uh, but she apparently, you know, there's the occasional thing that he does that she disapproves of, but... You know, and maybe that is the case. Maybe that is the case. But um, but as you can see, fatherless problems. But yeah. again, everyone's angry at Mizzy. And don't get me wrong, I totally find him despicable. But he is a product of his environment. Mm. He is, like, in, in a way, actually, Mizzy is kind of a rational response to the circumstances in which he finds himself. Because Mizzy doesn't understand the civilization he lives in. Mm. And he doesn't relate to it. He doesn't feel like he's a part of it. As far as he, like, from his perspective, it looks like it's a prison. You know, I'm in this giant glass and steel jungle where there are all these strange people who I don't get but are afraid of these things. I can push these buttons and I get these responses. And it's funny. But, like, otherwise he's just a kind of lost child wandering in the woods. You know, none of this is his. He doesn't <clears throat> feel like it belongs to him, right? And this is why he's doing what he's doing because he's just like, well, I, I, I mean, I've got to earn some money. What am I going to do? Get a job? Well, who's going to employ him? What education do you think he's got? Yeah, you know. Little. So let so let's watch the next one. Why there's no real remorse here? Why do you, do you not no understand? What, is, what, what do you mean? Why what there's the no consequences real of your I went to go apologize off social media. I could have recorded that apology, and that would have been another viral video. Whether it's hate or whatever, literally, hate brings money. Hate brings likes. Hate brings views. It doesn't matter. Love or hate, it still brings views. Why would you, why do you prefer to do the hateful stuff? It's not like I prefer to do the hateful stuff. It's just like it's easier to do the hateful stuff. Why are you laughing? And it's fun. Obviously, I don't think it's fun, but you're a funny person. You do think <laughs> it's funny. He does think it's funny. I mean, he obviously he thinks it's funny. Yeah. But he's completely open about it. I just do this Ob for validation and money. Brings the hate. Bring, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's hate clicks or, you know, people who enjoy what he does. It's still mm. popularity, attention from social media. Because none of the people around him, he doesn't have a community around him. Right, he's got all of these ties are severed, but he's got the connection to the internet, and he's getting all of the validation he needs from his screen. That's his community. That's yeah. He is this is like, like a child of the internet, lost <clears throat> in London in a civilization he doesn't understand and doesn't really care for. Right, he doesn't respect in any way, shape, or form. And he says repeatedly, "Oh, it's a movement." So like, okay, what kind of movement? Well, he'll explain it. I think it's just really funny at the time. I think it's funny. My fan base thinks it's funny, and it's we outside, isn't it? It's a movement. But what's the deep movement? down, what's the movement? Deep down, being free and not letting anyone tell you nothing. That's why I can do all of this stuff. I have. To, I'm the most hated person on the internet right now. No, but you're not. Most like, people yeah, don't know who you are. Okay, then. Whatever you say, in it. Whatever you say. Please. Most people watching this will have never heard of you. And whatever care you even say. Most. Well, now they are. They, you just brought it to me. Now no, they are. They'll just now think. They are, they'll just look at the way you're behaving now, and they'll think, yeah, he's a complete moron. So. Nothing the people of this society thinks matters. You know, all that matters is his fan base on the internet, which is, again, not, not an irrational thing for someone in his position to think. Mm. It's just not, right? But what he's trying to argue there is it's a movement for freedom. Okay, so what? why would you need freedom if you lived in a place that you thought was half decent? But he doesn't. He lives in the concrete jungle that feels like a prison. And so he does, this movement for freedom is just him thinking, right, okay, I can make... Um, uh, I can make money, I can do what I like, no one can stop me, and I don't have to answer to anyone. Mm. Well, as an 18-year-old young man from a broken home, trapped in a concrete jungle that doesn't have any future, why wouldn't he do that? Yeah. 
you know? Like, this is... The thing is, though, this, this guy is, like, the end point of leftist philosophy. This is Rousseau Savage, who's got no connections to any... No ties, no bonds that bind him anywhere. And he's just a floating leaf on social trends until one day he'll eventually die and pass on and no one will remember him. He, he's looking for meaning. He's looking for a role in life. And he's... He, I don't even know. And, if he and he's is. found something. He's looking for something to, for him to, a be proud of, and he's proud of the stuff he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, it fills his time up. He yeah. gets validation for he gets money. In fifty years ago, this he'd have been talking about having a good job. Yeah, but that's gone now. So this, he's a lost man looking for meaning. Possibly, but like, the thing is, I think that after you know a decade or whatever of being on the internet and being habituated into this and this becoming his life like, i don't even know if he is lost and looking for meaning i think this is what he views as the reality right the like for him this is real life and this is the way things are and for everyone else is like a foreign species to him mm. like you know he doesn't understand he doesn't care he's not interested in joining it he is interested in making money and being free. It's like, okay, well, you know, fair enough. That's like what we've created. I, like I said, I'm not even angry at Mizzy because this to me is a fairly rational response to the ridiculous circumstances we have allowed to proliferate. Mm. Like in every other civilization, every other culture, you would have had bonds of society that bind you in a place and they would have been policed. You wouldn't be allowed to just do the things that Mizzy does. You'd be, you'd be beaten. You'd be flogged. You'd be punished. You would feel pain at doing it you know your dad would kick your ass you know your mum would punish you the state would punish you but that's not mizzy's experience and we've permitted this to exist so why be angry at him exactly he's been told all his life that every culture is as equal to anybody else's exactly. culture and now he's decided well this is my culture exactly and and in fact let's watch this last clip but i'm curious who in your family is there to tell you this? Why do you need to go to my family? I'm my own person, so talk about me. Because you don't. No, 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 no so why don't you stop doing it? Because my mother told why? me to stop doing something. Okay, that's your mother. It. You listen to your mother. You listen to somebody else. I'm my own person. I'm I, I'm legally an adult now, so I can do what I. What are you going to do now? He's also a, don't forget. He's not typical. He's also a narcissist as well. Obviously. In this situation. Obviously. Yeah. But um, but you see exactly the point though, right? Yeah. It, he, he doesn't he, like as you say all cultures are equal well this is my culture i'm i'm a self-made man i'm i'm a year zero i'm i'm not a product of my environment it's like yeah. no, you're absolutely a product of your environment the problem is the environment we allowed to be created um and the problem that everyone has with mizzy is essentially that he was just honest mm. about this it's like no no look we created the system that encourages and facilitates this he's just a symptom of the problem mm. the problem is us we shouldn't be permitting this he should have been flogged a million times. And the first five times, he was like, right, I'm just not going to do that. Because he doesn't have morality as you understand it. He respects strength. And he says to us, you're just not strong. You're not going to punish me for these things. So I'm just going to keep doing them. And to be honest with you, I probably would have done the same as a young man myself. You know? And so, but well, of course, I would have got a beating. He deserves a beating. Isn't going to get one. Right? And so you won't stop him from being what he is in the way that we do now. Piers Morgan being like, oh, you should be morally ashamed. He's not ashamed of anything. Is. I mean, we'll leave it there. Yeah. Well, my last point: mm. we've made our society so weak. Yeah. 
in the attempt to make it peaceful yes. that we've now become we're just not dangerous. No, and we've so, allowed this dangerous un- subculture to flourish. Yeah. And in fact, Mizzy is like the least the least objectionable example of it. Yeah. He hasn't stabbed anyone. Mm. You know, he's just been pranking people by making them afraid. Exactly. He mm. he's just a symptom of that. Yeah. The best metaphor I can give is there used to be islands with dodo birds on them. Yes. And yeah. those dodos were not used to any predators. Yep. And when predators finally turn up, because predators will always turn up eventually, yeah, yeah. they were wiped out yep. because they couldn't defend themselves. Yep. And that's what our country is becoming now. We don't seem to be able to defend ourselves at all. Yep, exactly right. My part. Yes. So I worked at a council, Manchester City Council, for nearly a decade. God, I bet that was hell. And I, it was awful. Um, I've seen waste, I've seen competence, I've seen half the people who work in councils. You could do Elon Musk, a Elon Musk, you could sack half of the staff in any council and you would never see reduction in services. But there's there's a problem there, isn't there? Because they've got various sort of like legal protections and contractual protections. So it's very difficult to actually fire council staff, as I understand it. It can be done. I mean, it I'm was, sure it can be yeah, done. But I, like, yeah, I mean, in a private company, it's much easier. Right? It's, yeah, it's much easier because yeah. you've got the unions involved. But I mean, when austerity kicked in mm. 12, 13 years ago, many councils sacked and made redundant many, many people. So it can be done. Right. Okay. Um, we've all heard about the waste mm. in government. So I just want to talk about councils because that's, that's where my knowledge came from. Um, if we could, yep. Yeah, so. On screen there, so in, I think it was 2020, the Taxpayers Alliance did some work and found over five and a half billion of government waste in one year. Just hate it. That was the the stuff they could find. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so that's not the total, that's all they could find. This is the tip of the iceberg. Exactly, because most of it you'll never know about. Just five and a half billion. Yeah. Billion. Yeah. With, With a B. Not remember, remember the next time you look at your wages and you look at the tax. Yeah, right. That's that, a, a significant percentage of that is just going to be pissed down the drain. I'm going to give you some examples of some real examples in the minute that I was involved okay. in. Right. Have you got a favourite story, an example of what you've heard previously about waste in the? Yeah, camp? it's called the NHS. Right, <laughs> it's called the bloody immigration. So yeah, no, there's so much that oh, I just don't even. The best example that I was ever told was by a friend of mine um, who worked in the council. He was a senior manager and he moved departments yeah. um, to the um, cutting the grass and looking after the maintenance in the parks mm-hmm. and the streets. And um, he had, he got charged with, right, we need to cut our budget a little bit. So he looked at the budget and found for the last five, six years, this one guy was being paid overtime every Saturday, spring and summer. Right. And no one could explain what he's being paid overtime to do. Mm. So we looked into it. He was being paid overtime at the peak times to cut extra grass because they right. needed it. Sounds fine. Looked into a bit more. He operated the machine to cut the grass and then realised this machine takes two people to man that machine. Mm. Who else is working with him? Found out no one. For five years, this guy was coming into work on a Saturday, sitting in the office watching TV, and there was no one to help him with the machines. So he didn't do any work. Was he disciplined? No, because he'd emailed his boss five years ago twice and told him, there's no one to work this machine with me. So he told his boss, no one did anything about it. So for five years, he got paid overtime every Saturday. You know, there's um, a constant argument made by American libertarians about governments. And one of them is they do everything really inefficiently and we'd be better off, if not without them, with them massively scaled back. And I'm just, 
they're constantly vindicated by that. Mm. Whenever I, I, I just, this sort of stuff really annoys me because it would just be one competent person to go and oversee it. And this whole thing would be resolved. That's annoyed you. Let me give you some examples oh, that I've been involved in. So that was hearsay, that yeah. story. We don't know the nuance of it. We don't sure. know the... the but let, you know, you know it's Let me tell you the examples I've been involved in with know. nuance, and I can tell you, you can ask me questions about yeah. them as well. So let's talk about the case of the expensive picture frame. So 15, 16, 17 years ago, I was a youth intervention officer in East Manchester. My job was to intervene early in young people's lives before the police started arresting them. Yeah. So basically, short, sharp shock, speak to the parents, yep. this won't go on, da 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 a telling off, basically, usually sat in police stations. Um, and we had, one of my main targets was this kid, let's call him Pete. Dysfunctional family, dysfunctional kid, a white version of, of Mizzy, yeah. caught in havoc in his neighbourhood. Right. Just antisocial behaviour every day. And we were dealing with him, and then I came into work one day, and someone said, Pete, was um, with the police, like, oh, what, what's he done now? No, it's good news. Huh. At 11, it's 15 years old. 11 o'clock last night, he found a three-year-old wandering the streets where he lived. So I took him by the hand, went to a phone box, because no one had mobile phones those yeah. days. Phone 999, police turned up, picked this three-year-old kid up. This three-year-old kid had escaped out of a kitchen, didn't lock the door, wandering yeah. the streets, 11 o'clock at night, three years old. So I thought, what a great guy. So I designed a... Citizens Award on the computer, a nice little cheap mm-hmm. certificate, and thought, I want to put this in a frame. Bit of clip art. Exactly. Go to his, give it to him. So, cavity and stick. We're always giving him the mm. stick. Let's do some cavity because he did something good for his community. Let's reward that, and yeah. that might instill something in him. I went to the office there, reception, the manager said, that, I'm going to buy a picture frame to put this certificate in. Um, do a pound in a pound shop. Yeah. Um, oh, I, you don't do petty cash here. I'll have to order you one. Okay, ordered me one. Printed out the receipt on a computer. It'll be here tomorrow. There you go. Fifteen ninety nine. I said, there's a pound in the shop. She goes, we don't do petty cash. Fifteen ninety nine. Turned up next day. It was exactly the same as the one in the shop for a pound. Of course it was. So put it in there. Knocked on his door, spoke to his mum, and she looked at me and went, what's he done now? I'm sick of it. I went, no, 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 no. Good news today. This is what he's done. And she was proud. And she was mm. part of the problem. But she was proud. She went, finally, one of my sons has done something good. And I'm being praised. And she called yeah. him from downstairs. He came downstairs, saw my face and went, was it me? And I went, yeah. No, this time it was and it's okay. Yeah. 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 He didn't know what he'd done. Yeah. So I told him. His mum disappeared, came back with a hammer and nail. And she hung it on above the fireplace. Hmm. And she said, it's the first thing anyone's ever praised any of my kids for. Mm. So that was the sort of work I did, but a one pound picture frame yeah, yeah, yeah. cost fifteen ninety nine yeah. through the council's purchasing system. Yeah. I mean, it's a small example, <clears throat> but if everything is 15 times more expensive than it should be, you can see how this problem <clears throat> scales up. Yep. And the reason why we don't have petty cash is because the council would rather pay more for things than ever to have fraud. It's not their money, is it? Because it's not their money. Fraud gets in the papers yeah. and there's big trouble. Yeah. So let's all go through these systems where we pay more. Yeah. No bad press for fraud. That's why we have that system. It's not like they're operating on a market economy anyway. Okay, there's trouble in the media. Okay, so what? Yeah. You know, We're still going to pay our council tax. Their budgets still get approved yeah. and yeah. get passed every yeah. year. Yeah. If we have the next picture, let me talk about the case of the weak magnet. 
Now, I sound a bit like Agatha Christie here. I've got all yeah. these cases for yeah, going yeah, through. Yeah. Now, after I left that job, I'd been a youth intervention officer. I got a job looking at crime and disorder across the whole of the city of Manchester. Mm. How can we reduce crime, antisocial behaviour, and how can we make people less fearful of crime? Because crime was going down, but people still felt mm. as if crime was high. There's always a disconnect between what people think and yeah. the actual figures, and it's still the case now. Um, so we got some money, or we got a load of money, actually, off the Home Office, um, and it was called Funny Money. So whenever you got extra budget and you didn't know where it came from, the term in the council was funny money. Right. That's how we treated taxpayers' money. It was funny money. And part of my job then was to look at... Oh, just maintain my car. <laughs> <laughs> new so inventive I, ways. I have to pay so much tax. Yeah. New inventive ways of how are we going to achieve some of these goals. So instead of just yeah. doing the normal things, let's be creative. Let's see what else we can do. We've got this money to yeah. see what these things work. Um we got some lip balms made up that had the domestic violence telephone number as a as a barcode on it, right. so so an evil husband wouldn't know you had the domestic violence uh, phone number. Right. Yeah. Uh, we gave away bike locks, and we gave away vape alarms yeah. and paid staff overtime. All these things. Did we ever did we ever follow up and do an evaluation? Or did anyone pay any attention? Why would they? Of course we didn't. We spent the money, we moved on. But that's all we ever did. Yeah. None of it was evaluated. Um, <clears throat> and then we were doing community events where we would turn up outside mainly um, supermarkets on Saturday afternoons mm -hmm. with the police, big van, a stall, hand out some of this free stuff and talk to people about crime. I, I bought into all this 20 years ago. I look back now and go, what a waste of money and time. <laughs> but I bought into it. Yeah. So I thought, right, if we've got the police vans there, let's put a big banner on the side of the police vans about who we are, what we're doing, or crime prevention messages. So I went on the council internal website. I need to buy some banners. Here's some ones, 60 quid each. Let's get two of them. Oh, what's that? Magnetic banners. So instead of having to tie them on the van, we could just stick them on the side, huge ones, £600 each. So 10 times as expensive. Yeah. Not our money, I bought two. Yeah. Turned up a week later. And um, we had an event at a supermarket. I got there, police van there, unrolled it. I mean, it was like eight foot by five foot. So it's big, heavy. Heavy. That's what you're saying, yeah. Stuck on the side of the van. Guess what? Fell off. Yeah, straight away. Wouldn't, actually, wouldn't even stick on. Right. Tried it again, fell off. Tried it again, fell off. This one must be faulty. Next week, we had another one. Took the other one, the other banner. Same thing. Oh, right. So now it's 1,200. Yeah, I bought two, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, right. So I bought two. 2,400. Yeah. Okay. So that so I emailed our internal department who were, who were bought them off, but they they've got subcontractors yeah. outside, right. and said these rubbish don't stick. The picture on the internet had them stuck on the side of a van. Mm. I'm trying to stick these on the side of a van. Oh, we'll get back to you. Got back to us. Or the manufacturers say um, then they're not really good for sticking on the side of vans because they're not a completely flat surface. Oh. They have to be on completely. That's not what the picture mm. advertised. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, there's nothing we can do. So they went in the bin. £1,200 of magnetic banners that didn't work mm. and didn't do what they said they would do. No returns procedure went in the bin. Well, it's not their money. It's just not their money. <clears throat> Why would they care? Funny money. That's all we, all we ever called it was funny money. <clears throat> Ain't local councils.
I hate central government. <laughs> I hate all the services. I just... Uh, sorry, carry on. My last one, <clears throat> my favourite example would be when we were looking at reducing bicycle thefts in Manchester. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so 20 years ago, with new Labour government, they dictated what crimes were priority. They right. named 10 crimes. Some you can understand, burglary, things like that. But also... also Sheds, breaking into sheds was a yeah. priority. Yeah, okay. Um, also, bike thefts was a priority. Okay. Um, so I was asked, and my team was asked, right, you need to look at bike thefts. What can we do differently? So we started handing out cheap pound bike locks to kids at fun fairs and in schools and things like that. Did the work, we don't know. We never followed up. No. Um, and then for the students... But I mean, on the plus side, at least that's something that looks common sense, like it'll have the potential to reduce the number of thefts. Exactly. So the thing we, we needed to... I don't actually hate that. The, the thing <laughs> we needed to follow up was, did anybody ever use them? Yeah. But that's what we should have followed up The best, the best you can do is at least give them the lock, you know. Yeah. And then we started buying £20 locks, really expensive ones for... Students, because mm -hmm. they had expensive bikes and they were being ripped off all the time. Yeah. And then somebody looked on the TV or the internet and found this company who was doing something special. It was They could chip your bicycle. Right, like so, a dog. Like a dog and a yeah, cat. Yeah, yeah. So there's a specific chip in it. Okay. You then go online, register your name, your address, yeah. your telephone number. And if it's ever stolen or found, the police can scan it and go, we know who owns this. Hmm. And part of the problem the police said to us was, Sometimes we stop someone who's a non-criminal on a nice bike. Who's on the bike? Oh, it's mine. And it's like, we can't prove... We know he's nicked it. Yeah. We can't prove he's nicked it. Yeah. And we have to let him go with it. Yeah. Where this could help us with that. Yep. So the kits came and they were like £7 for a little torpedo. You pushed it into the frame of the bike. It mm -hmm. had backward spikes. So you could never get that out again. Right. And then we needed to buy some scanners, handheld scanners, to scan the bike. Right. And I believe we bought two of these scanners. They were expensive, 100 quid each or something. Yeah. <clears throat> but the pod, torpedoes were seven quid. Right. I know, we, we did thousands of these over several years. I left the council. I mean, to be honest with you, this sounds like a fairly <clears throat> good plan. Not finished yet. I not, know. We've not got to the incompetence <laughs> part yet. <laughs> like, so far, okay, this, <clears throat> yeah. this, this is a good idea. And that's why we did it. We thought, yeah. this sounds really, really good. You know, yeah. There's longevity in it. Yep. So if I bought your bike, I could go online and then change the owner's details. Yeah. I'm now the owner. There was longevity in this. Yeah. So I left the council, um, sat a up, looking to get crime in disorder, as everybody knows. And then one day I was at a meeting and there was a police inspector there for an area in Manchester. And he was saying, oh, I've got to get back. We're being hammered with bank thefts. Um, and we have to get some officers dedicated mm. to certain... I went, oh, how, how's the chipping programme going? Did that work out? Mm. You no, know, did we invest... What chipping programme? But he was new in post. I said, right, oh, okay, you need to go to your bosses up, ask people... This is what we did at the council several years ago, and I think it's still going on. But he went, oh, that's fantastic. No one's told me about that. So right. I thought, done yeah. my good deed there. Yeah. Bumped into him several months later. Did you check that out? How did that go? He went, no, Nick, it isn't what you think. Well, what do you mean? We did it. I did, I did hundreds myself. Yeah, I went back and asked um, about it. So what happened is the council did this, gave us two scanners, but we've got 14 policing areas and 14 stations in Greater Manchester. So we couldn't give a scanner to, to each section. Mm. So we stored them at head office, which means if anybody wants to check a bike, they've got to put a bike in the back of a van, drive to corporate headquarters, find a scanner and then scan it. 
And obviously our police officer, far too busy, would never done and would never do that. And according to our records, no bikes ever been scanned. And I went, you're kidding me, but Nick, it's worse. I've inquired where the scanners are and we've now lost them. Oh, God, I'm just so tired. <laughs> but like, what? If you've got 14 districts, why don't you have 14 scanners? Yeah. Grand scheme of things. It's only 100 quid a scanner. Yeah. yeah. And you would have actually done what you meant to set out to do, yeah. but instead you spent probably thousands of pounds on these bikes that achieved nothing. And don't forget, they've been on for years, this project. Yeah. No one ever did an evaluation. No one ever said to the police... This year, can you give us yeah. how many people did you invest because of this project? That'd be nice to feed back to the Home Office. Yeah. It might have been eight or one. At least, at least it was shown it was. It, but done no one so. ever went back to evaluate the projects. We just spent money and then moved on. The yeah. reason why we moved on, we had more money to spend. Yeah. Money just doesn't spend yeah. itself, you know, yeah, Carl. That's a good point. You've got to spend time working out <laughs> how you spend this money. <laughs> it's a lot of work spending <clears throat> other people's money. So. The reason why we have this incompetence and this waste of taxpayers' money, let me be clear, this is called taxpayers' money. The reason You've why we have tax, it... that's you. Yeah. And that's because no one is ever held accountable. Yeah. So yeah. council budgets are renewed every year. They're not based on performance. They're not based on results. They're based on, oh, our budget's renewed. Yeah. We call it budgets. We never called it taxpayers' money. No one ever in the council ever referred to anything as taxpayers' money. And that is part of the problem because those budgets reappear the first, the first or fourth of April yeah. every single year. And as long as you're not committing fraud, no one cares. I would much rather <clears throat> a low level of fraud and a much smaller budget. Yeah. That would be much more preferable. <laughs> But just, councils don't want fraud because that attracts yeah. negative press attention. We're dealing with politicians and it's yeah. anything to avoid negative publicity. Yeah. I've had depressed you now. Oh, just... Cause we hear these stories all the time, yeah. but it's never from someone who can, who can go into the detail and yeah. talk about it, who was there. But the, th the thing about this is it's just, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. And so I'm just sat here. Like I just have to know this goes on. Just wasteful, just parasites in, in local government, wasting my money that I work so hard to bloody earn, and it just—I just find it infuriating. Like it's the str this, this strengthens the libertarian case against government. That's all I'm saying. If you go back to 2011 when austerity kicked in, mm. every every council in the country budget was slashed. Good. Manchester lost something like 55 percent of its budget over mm. two three years. His budget was halved. Good. And apart, enough. And apart from slightly dirty streets in Manchester, you cannot tell yeah. the difference. Yeah. One, one of the things, we, we got our Swindon council budget through mm. to see how it's being spent. 80% of our council tax goes on services, like social services. Mm. So it's giving money to people, and it's just great. Right. Anyway, let's, let's move on <laughs> because I just... This is one of those just subjects that's very close to home because every every bloody year I have to pay <coughs> exorbitant amounts of tax, and by exorbitant I mean any amount of tax, and I just hate it. And there's no there's nothing you can do about it. Yep. Speaking of things, there's nothing we can do about. Apparently, we have reached new heights of self destruction in Britain. Oh yeah. I thought we'd uh, go and look at the latest data on immigration. 
we're really depressing the viewers this episode. Yeah, I know. Aren't we? I'd I'm like so to apologise. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but before we begin, uh, if you want to support us, go to loadsofthesies.com, sign up and watch uh, the Rumble live stream that I did with Bo on the on the term we were never asked. Mm. Because this is a term that has a great deal of power in it. And this is why I think people are afraid of him saying it. Uh, because really, this has all been done against our will. Mm. No one has ever asked for this. No one has ever voted for this. It's always been the opposite, in fact. People have voted against it, and yet here we are. So the 2021 census revealed to us that about 75% of the people in England and Wales are English and Welsh. But 25% of the people in England and Wales are not English and Welsh. Mm. Uh, and mm. we know exactly how many. 44.3 million, quote, white British. So English, Welsh, and some Scots. Uh, native British people. Uh, this is down from the 2011 census. In the 2011 census, there were 45.1 million people who called themselves white British. So nearly a million English and Welsh people have left England and Wales. Mm. I don't blame them, to be honest. Every, I, I got a taxi the other day, and this taxi driver was um, a Pakistani man from Wolverhampton. And uh, he was telling me how his uh, his uncle had some property in India he was thinking about selling. And he was like, don't do that. And his uncle was like, well, why not? So, well, this country's going down, you know, decaying. Everyone mm. can see the the decline in this country. And he and this this tax driver was like, yeah, people are just going to start leaving, I think. I'm like, they are. Mm. Like, they actually, they absolutely are. And we'll get into the net migration in a minute because we know exactly how many people are leaving. And I just asked him, why do you think the decline is? just, I don't know. I was like, do you ever see anyone talking about it on the TV? No. Do you ever see the politicians addressing why we're in decline? No. He's, no idea. No one has any idea. There's just decline everywhere and no one can seem to answer it. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So this is this is down from the uh, 2011 census. In the last 10 years, a million English and Welsh people have left England and Wales. In 2021, net migration, which is the total left over after <clears> the <throat> people who emigrate uh, are subtracted from the total, uh, reached 500,000. So 1.16 million came in, and uh, <clears throat> about 600,000 left leaving us with a net migration of, of about 504,000, which is effing staggering, right? <clears throat> but it gets better than that. Well, when I say better, I mean, it gets worse. Uh, but, I mean, you'd think, well, a net migration of 500K, that's where the government would be like, okay, look, there's something crazy going on. This is surely the destruction of our own country if we allow this to carry on. And then we got the net migration for last year. Yep. Another 100,000. Another record <clears throat> high. How wonderful. New heights. New, like, it's it's like um, we're rolling down a slope and we're just getting faster and faster and faster. Yeah. Eventually, we're going to hit the bottom and there's going to be a complete, absolute cr just crash. Um, so 1.2 million people were allowed in and uh, 557,000 emigrated, which is about the same as last year. In fact, it's less people than last year that emigrated, the year before, sorry. Uh, so that's 606,000 people added to the UK population. And uh, you'd be like, okay, surely, now, finally, it can't possibly get any worse. And the Conservatives are like, are you sure? We oh, can definitely make this worse. Of course it can. We can make this way worse. We can have a million net expected in 2023. But I love the framing. The Home <coughs> Office fears. <coughs> the Home Office fears. Fears. You're the ones who let them in. You are literally the gatekeepers of who gets visas in this country. 
Like you're the one stamping. Yeah, approved, approved, approved. And like, oh God, we're afraid that this stamping is just going to get to a million this year, a million net. It's like, then stop stamping visas. Yeah. What are you doing? You know, you're the ones doing this to us. Don't act like, well, this is out of our control. You're the ones in charge. I mean, they literally say they, they fear that it's going to be 997,000 people net this year. Right. And of course, this is non-EU migration as mm. well. Uh, since Brexit and the end of freedom of movement from, with the European Union, uh, the net migration has been mostly from non-European countries. Mm. So it's people with totally foreign cultures, totally different ways of life, and um, just a, a much more distant relationship with this country. So why is it so high? Well, the migration observatory in Oxford have told us it's unusually high, right? Several factors have come together at once, including the war in Ukraine, the humanitarian route for British Hong Kong national overseas status holders, and uh, that's fine, but that's not accounting for all of it. I know why it's high. It's called Tory policy. Yes, it is. Yes, It's the the policy of the UK Conservative government. Yes, that's exactly it, right? Um, Increases in temporary work and study migration post-pandemic have contributed to net migration in the short run, Although most will are expected to leave the UK in a few years. Yeah, I'm sure they totally will. I'm sure they totally will. Um, and so, yeah, this is, this is what they're saying there. And so it's like, right. So the gates are, I mean, they couldn't be more open. They're just totally open. We're not refusing anyone for any reason, mm. apparently. I mean, we've taken in 50,000 uh, invaders across the channel. Nothing has been done about that, really. Um, and so we're just looking at the total obliteration of our country just through mass migration. This is this this is why the country is in decline. This is why everyone can see the country is declining. Services can't afford this. Services, we've got to pay for all of this. These people who did not pay for any of the services are using the services. They're mm. using the trains. They're using the roads. They're using the NHS. They're claiming benefits. They're doing these things. And you, the taxpayer, has to pay for all of this. And they have never paid taxes in this country because they literally didn't live here. So they can claim something they haven't paid for, and every year it's another 500,000, a 600,000, a million. And so eventually this is just going to collapse. This is the source of the degradation. It is mathematically impossible for this to carry on. It is mathematically impossible that they could have paid in even if they'd wanted to. You know, it's just not possible, and we have to be honest about this. But don't worry, the Conservatives are on the case. Yesterday, the Home Office... I tell you what, I can rest easy now. Today we removed 57 people. Oh, do you know what? Sometimes I criticise the government and the Tories sometimes, but but then it's nice to know that we, we can do things when we try and... Well, well done. 57 whole people. I mean, if it was 57,000, I'd be like, okay, that's a good start. <clears throat> do that every day mm. for the next five years, and maybe things will be under control. But 57... And these will be, like, the illegal invading migrants from across the channel, mm. right? This the, We've put them up in the hotels at our expense, which literally costs us billions, by the way. Again, your money, not theirs. Um, and 57. So why are the Conservatives committed to destroying England? That's the question. And the answer is money. They, they're doing it for money, or what they think is money. Uh, actually, it's not really money. It's really an abstraction on a graph of what they think money is. Uh, they're doing it because they think they're avoiding a recession. The UK economy is expected to avoid a recession this year, the International Monetary Fund has said. 
because it was expected would contract by 0.3%, but instead it's grown by 0.4%. Right, so millions of migrants in, 0.4% growth. Hmm. Lowest growth in all of Europe. Millions of migrants, like Poland isn't taking millions of migrants, as Callum points out, as you'll see in a weekend segment coming up about this. Like Poland isn't taking it, and they've got higher growth than us, so what's going on? What's going on indeed? So this is, this is just the way that the conservatives look at the economy in general. More people equals economic growth. And it's like, yeah, but the return on this gets lower and lower and lower until eventually there will not be economic growth because people are getting poorer and poorer and poorer and poorer and everything is collapsing around us. This is actually the slow road to destruction. The still problem with the Tories is the one-dimensional. All, all, they, can, all they look at is the economy. Mm-hmm. And that might have been fine, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, it was fine when Thatcher would say, because that was our big problem. Mm-hmm. We have so many more problems now. And just looking at the economy is is creating so many more problems yeah. that they're not going to fix. Yeah. Because those politicians, and I, I've, I've worked this out many, many years ago. Since we've had career politicians, all they worry about is the next election. Yeah. So they're looking at short-termism all the time. Short-termism, mm-hmm. good economy, or economy didn't go into the That's great for them. But that's that's such a ridiculous metric, right? Yes. It's like, look, the GDP didn't go down. It's like, okay, but everyone's wages is going down every <clears throat> second of every day. You know, everyone's wages. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter if the GDP, if, if, you know, if everyone's wages go down by 5%, but you add in 10% more people, economic growth. No, that's not economic growth. That's called reducing us to serfdom. That's called slavery. Mm. But then what is this doing to England generally as a country, right? I mean, Callum was nosing around through the census maps. He's found multiple uh, neighbourhoods in London. They're just 0% British. No English mm. people in them. No Welsh people, no Scottish people. Just total, totally foreigners. I mean, London itself, 40% first-generation immigrant, 37% English. So what are we doing? Mm. Just totally hollowing out our own civilization for 0.4% GDP growth. My city of Manchester, <laughs> when the census came out, a third of all the habit- inhabitants of Manchester mm-hmm. were born abroad. Mental. A third. Mental. Born abroad. Well, it's a four, uh, It's 40% in yeah. London. And in other places like Luton, Leicester, other, it's just, and it's just going to keep going. It's going to keep going. And as John points out there, it's no, no. It's not that there are 0% English. It's 100% diverse. Mm. You know, that's what it is. You're absolutely right. That's how they look at it, right? And so what, what, what's, what's going on? What's the organized pushback? Oh, the organized pushback is actually totally disorganized, right? You've got Reclaim Party. Look, see, immigration's terrible. Join our party. Heritage Party. Look, see, immigration terrible. Join our party. Reform Party. Look, see, immigration terrible. Join our party. UKIP. Look, immigration terrible. Join our party. Get it together, lads. I don't want four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different tiny pluralities of parties. That's really not going to win, right? You're going to just split what is an what could be an effective right wing block. You know, find a point of common ground, rally under it, so we have one name on the ballots when we go and vote. So you can get to like, because I mean, reform like should be the big boys, right? But they're not. And what they seem to take is essentially when polled, like just the dissident right-wing vote. And that was at 9%. It's like, okay, great. Why can't we have a full spectrum like of people who are all on the same team? So we've got one thing to vote for and we can get that up to 10 
12, 14, and we can really start pushing this and hopefully actually upend the conservatives, get them out, get the conservative base into something. But we can't do it while everything is is fractured like this. It's not going to happen. And I'm, I'm not trying to say, I mean, because I, I really like all of these people. Like, I know a lot of them personally. They're all really nice people. They're all doing their, their best. But this approach of being totally disunited will not work. And it's just, honestly, we just don't have any time left. Like, if you're not seeing the destruction of the country, the destruction of the economy, the destruction of standards, the destruction of everything around us, I mean, everyone is seeing the decline. If it's egos that's preventing people from uniting, I don't want to hear it. And I think that people watching probably don't want to hear it. I think people who are voting and looking at the country don't want to hear it. Get past your egos. Fix this. You're the ones who are trying to be the politicians. Let's see some action. Never going to happen. Never <sighs> going to happen. For you to set up a political party or for you to run a political party, it's that's the focus. It's a bit like the heavyweight boxing championship. We've got four yeah. belts. Yeah. It's like the four top boxers all get together and go, do you know what? We're not going to fight each other mm. to, to unify all the belts. Let's all just keep a belt each and we're all going to be nice. What we're waiting for is someone to turn up like a Thatcher, mm. um, someone for the day, for now, mm. who will who will take this on. Mm. We can't, th th these parties will not merge, will not work with each other to a great extent. We're just waiting for the Messiah. But that's the thing. I don't, I'm not expecting a Messiah. No. But like small scale, like incremental change is absolutely possible, but not while everyone is disunited like yeah. this. And I know I sound angry because I am angry, yeah. right? And it's not that, like I said, it's not the fault. I like all of these people. I met all of these people. You know, I, I'm <clears throat> friends with a lot of these people. Mm. And it's just, and and a lot of them are like, yeah, we, we'd like to work together. It's like, okay, well then start something. Like actually start, you know, a united party. You know, the United Patriots or something. I don't know. You know, bring these people in. Like <laughs> give give them positions that you know. I don't want people to be like, well, I'm going to lose everything. So I'm sure that's what they're thinking. Mm. I'll lose them. No, give them positions in the United Patriot Party. You know, whatever it is, just do something. You know, do something for the love of God. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Let's go to the video comments. Starting as a Canadian challenge to propel an egg the farthest distance using only the power contained in a single standard elastic band, the Great Egg Race was taken on by the BBC as a problem-solving contest hosted by the inimitable Professor Heinz Wolf. Sad to say he died recently. Television from the late 70s and early 80s was replete with such conundrum shows such as Now Get Out of That and The Adventure Game. Modern productions such as Scrap Heap Challenge are a bit too showy for my taste and pale in comparison to this simple episode on making a submarine to pass under an island in a tank. No electronics, no wires or cables. Yeah, I kind of miss when television was fun. Fun, entertaining, and educational. Yeah. And also gave people, like, um, a reason to exercise creative skills. Yes. Right. Yeah. Let's go to the next one. So I have to provide this proof to you that California is not in a drought. Um... They'll probably say we are, but this little pond here is interesting because for the past four years or so I've been coming here, this was not a pond. It was bone dry, and it was this neat little ravine that you could go into, so you can see it now, and we just don't have the infrastructure to capture water in California. It's all man-made. Hmm. That's interesting. Hmm. I mean, I can't imagine California has tremendous amounts of water anyway. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know anything about the subject, but that is interesting. Issue is always storage. That's always mm. the issue. 
What's interesting about the High Crusade novel is that the alien empire is just a liberal um, society of today. I mean, everyone in it's supposed to be born equal, and they pursue their careers purely through merit because they have no family connections to each other. And, you know, everything's done through rationality and science, and uh, which makes ultimately that everyone's an atomized individual that's easily crushed by the all-powerful bureaucratic government. I like how the Crusaders are like, this is a tyrannical system. At least in feudalism, we have a noble that can represent his little folk. And if they fall astray, the priesthood can take up their cause as well. Okay, I might, I might, I might read it. It sounds great. <laughs> I mean, uh, tell you what, if there was a crusade called. <laughs> hey guys, loved your coverage of Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. I'm actually doing a review on it that I'm going to post up on my Rumble page. I'm in the middle of recording it now. So go and follow me there, cscooper.com.au slash rumble. I think you're really going to like what i got to say about this game. Oh, and by the way, if you do play it, you've got to play Breath of the Wild first, and you've got to make sure you get all the recalled memories and all the divine beasts before you finish it. Otherwise, you're not going to like Tears of the Kingdom. I promise you. I have no idea what he's talking about. I've not played any of that. I'm not playing any games. No. And General Hyping says, if Mizzy really wants to test the two-tier system, he should do that. Uh, teach a pug to do a Nazi salute. But he's not going to get punished like Dankula is. I mean, literally, Mizzy went around, you know, trespassing, intimidating people, threatening people. They're the acceptable crimes. Exactly. He put it all on. He, he put it all online. Oh. Dankula makes a joke teaching his pug to do a Nazi right. salute. Eight hundred quid. That's like literally more than twice as much as Mizzy. Got. Unacceptable crime. Yeah, yeah. It's it's mental. It's absolutely mental. Yeah, the guy literally jumped on a Jew, you know, and <laughs> doesn't matter, you know. But Dankula, p- potential offence, even though no one was found that could be offended. Uh, by a joke, and it doesn't matter. It, I, just, I just, I just despair for how this country is at the moment. Uh, Bilbo Baggins says Mizzy has been in the situation dozens of times with teachers, police, probation officers, but I'd wager not with his father. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. As you can see, um, I mean, Mizzy doesn't even make mention. Uh, what about your family? Well, my mother. Young men who are searching for purpose in life mm. never have fathers at home. Hence why they're searching for purpose in life. Yeah. They don't know what it is to be a man. And I suffered with this um, for for many decades because mm. um, I never knew my father. Died when I was a child, but I think we left when I was two, so I never saw him again. And I realised I missed having a father in my early 20s, sat in a beer garden having a pint. And my friends were talking about someone had bought a new Gillette razor and yeah. someone said, Nick, how do you shave? Oh, electric razor. All right. Why electric razor? Hmm. Oh, well, when I was 13, I found an old electric razor in my old granddad's drawer and started using it. Hmm. And everybody else had stories about how their dads taught them to shave and they still shave the same way. Yeah, yeah. And that's when I realized, oh, I, ha- I have missed out on having a father. There hmm. must be other ways I've missed out that I don't know about. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But the thing is, and another thing I I, I don't blame Mizzy for being contemptible, uh, for for finding our civilization contemptible. I don't blame him for having no respect. You're weak. UK law is weak. Yeah, we are. And we're being taken advantage of all day, every day. And he's just like, well, I'm just going to take advantage. It's like, well. He has respect. He has respect for the things 
he finds valuable or he fears. Yeah. So he wouldn't be doing that to the local drug dealers wherever he lives. No, absolutely Because not. one of them will machete his yeah. face up. Yeah. So he has respect. He doesn't respect the things that he feels doesn't deserve respect. We, and that's our culture. He exactly. Respect. He, he, respect, he respects strength. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't respect moral claims. Yeah. You know, like moral claims based on empathy that you and I would understand. He doesn't understand. He literally, well, but I didn't do that. Yeah, but what if yeah, but I didn't do that? No, no, that's not that's not the question. You know, a moral mm. hypothetical. But is, that is his defensive mechanism to shut the conversation down. Sure, but I think genuinely he, he he probably doesn't understand either, right? You know, he doesn't understand why he needs to care about those things. You know, and so yeah, like you say, he shuts that down. But he's just like, okay, but there's a reason that we have these conversations. Mm. That you, if you don't exercise this uh, form of reason, then you just don't understand. But um. But I, so it puts him in a position where all he respects is strength. And he looks at us and goes, yeah, but you're weak. It's like, yeah, we are weak. You know, he should have been flogged dozens of times, dozens of times, you know, and then he would respect because they'd be like, well, they're strong. They're going to punish me. I'll do as I'm told. Mm. You know, he wouldn't be doing any of this. Again, you, you, I hate Mizzy as much as you know, I despise what he's doing as much as the next person. But really the blame lies with us. Like, he's had 11 years of state education. Yeah. And, and, this and is that's what assuming he even went to any of it. Yeah. You know, which he probably didn't. You know, yeah, he's probably a latchkey kid, obviously. He's been on social media since he's eight, so he just knows how to get attention online. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's our fault. It's totally our fault. Sophie says, by this logic, we shouldn't give a crap about the Holocaust or slavery either because it didn't happen to us. Oddly, I agree with that. Uh, I don't agree. I, you know, I think we should care about those things, even though they didn't happen to us, yeah. you know. And this is what morality is, actually. Um, but you are right. By his logic, you know, he doesn't care about any of it. And I, if you ask him, he'd be like, I don't care. You know, I didn't do it. It's not my fault. Um, Zen Chan says, honestly, the worst part of all this is seeing people trying to make this about race. When you're right, it's entirely a class issue. White lads in the North have done this kind of thing for decades. We've really forgotten about chavs or happy slapping. This kind of stuff has always been a thing. Young men causing harm for their own amusement. Yeah. And they cause harm to people they don't respect and pe to whom they don't feel connected. Mm. And Mizzy doesn't feel connected to this civilization, let alone anyone in it. So he's just amusing himself, as you say. Uh, Russian Garbage Human says, lovely to see Nick back on the podcast again. Always good to have you on. Thank you for your work. About the Mizzy thing, uh, try this in any other country that isn't the cucked Western world. You'll get your head slammed in a car door like something out of a Guy Ritchie film. You'll be held by the throat against the wall. You'll be tacked to the ground and sat on and be filled with lead. Lack of consequences and the magic race card are just going to further rile up racial divisions. This has now been discussed over multiple days and even somewhat mainstream on GB News. And he's right. Like, And Mizzy even knows this. He was like, well, in America, and then Piers Morgan cuts him off. Mm. But it's like... <clears throat> He knows what he's going to say. Mm. In America, I wouldn't be able to get away with this. I'd have been shot. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Tape says, as much as this little S irks me, he's not actually to blame here. Pushing the boundaries to see when people start pushing back is normal teenage behavior and a fundamental part of socialization. The problem is that every time he pushes against boundaries, society pulls the boundaries back for him. He's currently learning that the boundaries are only an illusion and will inevitably end up killing someone and it's our fault for not punishing him when we should have the UK needs dadism. Um, I, don't, I don't know if Mizzy will end up killing someone. I don't think, I mean, maybe mm. he'll end up getting someone hurt. But, I mean, he won't be, he, I don't think he's a person who wants to actually hurt other people. Right, I don't think he's sadistic. Mm. Like, he doesn't come across. I, I think he doesn't understand, like why what he's doing is terrifying to people. Right, but he definitely lives in this culture, and he definitely is not helping. And but you are absolutely right. He pushes the boundaries, and we just remove the boundaries. And so he's like, "Oh, you're totally weak. Then mm. you're not. You, you should be stopping me." You know, it's all it's all basically a test that we're failing. And that's what all children do. But yeah. if you did if you did that, and you had a father and uncles, mm. you wouldn't get away with it. 
because older men, no, one of their roles is to beat the hell out of you. Is to teach <laughs> younger men how to be men. Yeah. And now we've removed all those men. We have young men like him trying to figure out as yeah. he goes along and making huge mistakes. And part of teaching young men how to be men is giving them a beating when they're stepping over the line. Yeah. That's literally your job, you know. <laughs> I hate to say it because it doesn't sound very modern and progressive, but it's literally what has happened for all of human history, and we're not doing it. George says, how is trespassing not a criminal offence? It's a civil offence. It's a civil offence. So it is It is a criminal offence, um, but the, the state won't go after you for it. You have to be sued, basically. And and I've looked at trespassing previously. For you to be convicted of trespassing, the place, you have to break into a place, right. not just walk into it. It has to be barriers, climb over right. a fence or something. There has to be signs saying private property. Yeah. Um, and that's the only way you can get a conviction for civil trespass. UK laws are weak. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, if the so-called law won't do anything to protect people in their homes, then castle doctrine must be established. At least that clown got a struggle session with Piers Morgan as punishment, but it may make him seem likable in comparison. Well, anyone seems likable in comparison to Piers Morgan, don't they? <clears throat> uh, I, can, I mean, this was a win for Mizzy. I saw, like, people who supported him, you know, cheering for him on Twitter and whatnot. So, it's, yeah, what are you going to do? Mm. Uh, Anon Imi says, Mizzy is someone who demonstrates that he doesn't have an internal dialogue. Yes. Uh, John says, Mizzy will learn plenty. He'll learn he can do whatever he likes. Well, that's exactly what he's He's, he's, he's already learned that. Yeah, he knows that. He's known that for, for, yeah. for fifth, no, 10 years. Yep. Mizzy's court defense sergeant QC read, according to Russian garbage human, he said his client was raised by a single parent and had a difficult upbringing. Uh, who could oh. have imagined? Uh, he's an intelligent young man and a young man with some potential, the sergeant, Mr. Sergeant told the court. Uh, get out, just get out. Potential for what? Asking more young white, young white women if they want to die, once again proving single motherhood statistics. <laughs> um, Karen says, Mizzy's case proves beyond reasonable doubt that this country needs two things. One, a Second Amendment, and two, a castle doctrine. Uh, imagine filling out a civil lawsuit with judges similar to this one at the criminal court and one of our lefty lawyers. It's literally money for nothing. Yeah, nothing's going to happen. You'd be pouring your money away and it would be a total waste of your time mm. and he would learn nothing you would lose and it was just that's all that's going to happen and his defence was paid for by the taxpayer so as the house owner trying to take him to court you've got to fork all that out yourself I hate this country <laughs> Ethelstan95 says I cannot stand faux conservatives like Piers Morgan when it suits his interests giving him money and airtime to simulate scolding. So just as a quick thing, Piers Morgan did say that they didn't pay Mizzy at all to go on the show, right? Now, I'd like clarification. Of, does that include expenses? We don't know. Uh, and But Piers Morgan says we didn't give him any money. And so, okay, fine. Let's take for mm. once Piers Morgan at his word. Uh, you gave him massive mm. amounts of coverage. He went on there and plugged his Twitch stream, yep. which Twitch aren't going to take him down apparently, I guess. Even the YouTube and TikTok did, and it's going to—he's—he's he's going to have, um, you know, a lot of fans within this community who will follow him just because he stood up to someone idiot like Piers Morgan. And, and I'd say came off probably better. Yeah, well, everyone comes off better than Piers Morgan. Yeah, I'd Andy say came, came off came better. Off. Yeah, I mean, for an eighteen-year-old kid, he held his own, and he knew why, and he mm, knew why, yeah. and and I was quite impressed with the way he handled it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Piers is just a buffoon, mm. dunce. Um, for the views and points of his ego of looking like a conservative moral champion, he's rewarding Mizzy's behaviour with remuneration and notoriety uh, that he was going for in the first place. Uh, Mizzy has once again shown society and the internet reward bad behaviour and the, the justice system punishes nothing. Yes, 
and Piers Morgan um, made him look smarter than Piers Morgan, which mm. isn't a great achievement, I suppose. Um, Le French prankster says, when the money isn't yours, a large amount of it ends up wasted. This is true of both governments and publicly traded companies. Yep, that's true. Um, Sophie says, I worked in social work. Uh, the way it works, we have a budget each year, and if we don't use the entire budget, the money just vanishes. Worse yet, worse yet, if you spend them below the budget, you don't get rewarded. It's a sign for the budget for the future should be slashed. So we, the incentives were to just buy stupid crap in order to use the budget in time so we wouldn't lose money next year. It's an utterly broken system. Yeah, we have that over here too. That happens in every council. Yeah. I know one, I won't name these departments, but I remember one department had something like a seven grand underspend, mm. um, went out and bought a seven grand coffee machine because they had to clear the budget yeah. Because what would have happened the following week, yeah. you get your new budget and they would go, you were, you didn't send spend seven grand last year, so therefore you yeah. don't need that seven grand this year, so we're going to cut your budget. Yeah. So they just spend it. It's mental. It's such a, it's such a perverse incentive. Yeah. Free Will says, it's always easy to abstract amounts of money, especially when it's someone else's. Politicians and bureaucrats are the masters of this because there is no immediate consequence for profligate political spending. Yeah, there's just no consequence at all. I'm so tired of nothing having any consequences. Lord Nervar says, with the amount of government waste that exists, it's infuriating to know that the economy is equally is equal to the debt. They could probably halve their spending in a year and bring the debt down dramatically, while not even affecting the quality of the services. Well, this is your point. Mm. <coughs> it's literally just there to make embezzlement easier, and all the politicians should be as far as we can go with that. You, I, what I would do is I would link department pay rises to several things in that department in the council. Mm -hmm. So I would link pay rises to performance, mm -hmm. outcomes, and cutting your budget. Yeah. So people will say that's unfair, the big bosses make those decisions, but the people lower down, mm -hmm. especially in the council, can really influence what the bosses do by complaining, by going on strike, by doing all sorts of things. Yeah. And we, you then could get the people at the bottom who really need the pay rises to ensure the people above them are more, com more competent and are delivering a better service, better outcomes, mm. and cutting their budget every year, link it to pay rises. Mm. I mean, I, I'm totally in favour of cutting their budget every year, <laughs> even if it wasn't linked to pay rises. <laughs> I'm very cynical about these <laughs> things these days. Um, uh, Tom says, God knows how much money is wasted in housing benefits for the unproductive who don't want to work from, uh, to pay for themselves. Yeah, yeah. The French prankster says, uh, but Carl, think about the human rights of the poor refugees who deserve all that sweet public money and accommodations. I know. Just break into this country, get put up in a four-star hotel. I have to well, pay it's for getting it. worse now. They've started putting some up in three stars. I oh, mean, tragic. Some will start going home at this rate. <laughs> and then think of the economy. I mean, the thing is, well, it just, we spend so, immigration, the Oxford uh, Observatory, have a bunch of studies on this. Now, some are inconclusive, but some say, oh, it's costing us billions every year. What am I likely to believe? Well, it's actually, we break even. No, it's costing us billions. Let's be real. Yeah. We can see it. You know? And that's it. People, politicians have lied to us for that long that we can just look around. We've got to a state that yeah. you can look around. Oh, yeah. Nothing's working well. Yeah. Some things aren't working at all. Yeah. You know, it, and we're looking around going... It used to be better than this, not that long ago, 10, 20 years ago. It not was, even that long. It was better than this. I mean, like, Swindon's actually a great example, because uh, from where we are here, we walk into town to go get lunch, mm. and we walk past uh, the hotel that is housing all the immigrants. And mm. so it's just a bunch of Somalians just hanging outside, smoking, mm. just doing nothing. 
It's like, why are these people here? You know, this like they just wander around. They've got nothing to do. They're bored. I mean, they're not causing any trouble yet, but they just sit around bored, not doing anything. So like, why am I paying for this? Hmm. I have to, like that hotel, I, 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 got a, I had to stay there once. It was a hundred quid for a night. Yeah. I was like, this isn't even a good hotel. Hmm. But now it's just full of people that I'm paying for a hundred quid a night. You know, mm. it's insufferable. And then you look at the, the actual main street. It just looks like a post-apocalyptic war zone. Like, you know, building, boarded up and just messy. And oh, it's just, why are we letting this happen? Anyway, Ignacio says, public workers should be the easiest to fire. It might sound, no, I totally agree. <laughs> it might sound cold, but government is a massive machine and the rusty cogs need to be tossed out so we can keep moving. Maybe up the wages of normal people to compensate but slash redundancies in the moment anyone gets a complaint, you investigate and then fire them if it's you know, true. Um, AC says, great work, Carl, cutting through the mess once again and reinforcing the fact that there needs to be a united front to get anything done. Yeah, and it's just really insufferable. And it's nice that people are moving in the direction of like at least beginning to have these conversations. But like if we just stand on these small egos being like, yeah, well, you know, I've got 2,000 uh, members of my political party, or I've got 6,000, it's like, Okay, but the Conservative Party got 200,000. The Labour Party got 500,000. Mm. You know, we need to start actually bringing a conglomerate together here and actually f founding something that will be able to challenge them. That would be nice. Or have a, a linking overarching yeah. structure so they all can keep their own identities run by their own leaders. But for the general election, we're all going to stand under yeah. the umbrella of federation of a better tomorrow with something and they decide between themselves, you're standing yeah. there, we're standing here, and, and coordinate it a bit better. Something. Just Something anything. needs to be done. God. Yeah. The United Patriots Party is my suggestion. Right. Federation for a better tomorrow is not bad. Um, S.H. Silver says, the great divide between distant rightists is because conservatives have messiah complexes and think they alone can fix the problem. The left being so collectivist and authoritarian is an advantage in organising compared to conservatives, and that's totally true. That's totally true. Everyone, <laughs> The right always has like two or three or, you know, one or two big people that they expect to fix all of the problems. But the left are prepared to do their small part, you know, as part of a cog in the great machine, mm. you know. And it, it really is insufferable to be honest that we're so incapable of, you know, doing our small part. Um, I mean, that's what we think we're doing here is our small part to, to help the West. You know, it's not a big, not a big part, but we're doing what we can, you know. Uh, X, Y, and Z says, growing up, we had a romantic view of the UK, the history, the culture, etc., especially to relating to the British music scene, the late 70s, early 80s. Now, sadly, it looks like a third world. S-hole, yes, our government hates us. Uh, yeah, that's that's totally true. Um, Soup Can Harry says, you can't trust the IMF predictions on economic growth. They haven't been correct once in over nine years. Interestingly, they'd always predicted economic UK growth to be lower or worse than it has actually been. Um, well, I don't trust them, but the point is, it's that what the Conservatives are looking at, right? They're looking, oh, the IMF has said this. What are, what are the numbers on the chart, Bob? And it's like, they're slightly up from where they were last year. Thank God, bring in another million immigrants. That's what they're thinking. That's literally the entirety of their economic calculation, and I hate everything about it. Uh, Omar says, we need an unofficial primary. Get these parties together and conspire to create a single issue party that's specifically anti-Tory Labour. My favourite name would be the Uni Party. <laughs> the sheer irony of the Uni Party ousting the Uni Parties would be delicious. Uh, I don't think the Uni Party would get the uh, average boomer on side, unfortunately. But uh, I do like the idea that there's some sort of um, hustings that brings them all together. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be a single issue either. There are a lot. There are there are a suite of issues that are all connected. You know, where it's that essentially can come under the banner of Brexit. 
you know, what do people want Brexit for? Sovereignty, reduced immigration, reduced mm. government spending, reduced wastage. You know, all of these things are all tied together in the same sort of moral complex, mm. you know? Or another alternative could be all these small parties disband and they all join and infiltrate the Tory party and take over the Tory party. That is something. Um, can be done. Uh, it can be done, I suppose, yeah. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn did become the leader of yeah, the Labour Party. Exactly. Yeah, so it can be done. Yeah. Um, but again, I just, I just don't see it. Right. Uh, Thomas says, uh, the best way to explain the immigration crisis to the left is to point out it isn't about being kind to migrants. It's about subsidizing rich employers with cheap labor and depressing wages for the <clears> poorest <throat> and animalizing and trapping welfare recipients. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, they're also morally wedded to the idea of more migrants. I don't know why. Like, they're just mm. like, no, no, I just want more people. It's like, why? Why want me any more? Why? Because they're foreign and they're suffering in foreign lands by not living here. It's like, we're suffering mm. living here. Like, have you noticed how things are going? I mean, literally, I give the example of the taxi driver. That was a genuine conversation I had the other day yeah. with this taxi driver. And he was just like, yeah, no, we're, we're probably going to leave. It's like, don't sell your property over in India. Yeah. Because we're going to be back here when we've destroyed the UK. Um, Kevin says, Mizzy will continue to do what he does until the day he does it to the wrong person and suffers the consequences. Then that person will be hammered by the justice system, quote unquote, and the left will be on the streets crying over the harm done to Mizzy and blaming society for causing the harm to him, even though society is what has made him believe what he does is okay. Yeah, it's a, such a rigged game, man. I mean, Mizzy has actually put a small tiger on his back now in his own culture. Um, there'll be people now who will want to gain some extra street cred by taking Mizzy out or giving Mizzy a beating. I'm the guy who stabbed that Mizzy guy who was on Piers Morgan. That's a good point. Actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, I'm sure that he'll be fine and everything will be uh, perfect and work out well for him. Uh, Omar says, I think the UK laws are more outdated rather than weak. They work perfectly well when you had a high-trust society. The Mizzy incident isn't showing the flaws of English law, but the incompatibility between cultures. Well, that's the problem. If 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 Mizzy was subject to the same laws I would be subjected to, then he wouldn't be Mizzy, right? He would be someone who would be like, no, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, because I would do bam, bam, bam on those points. But that's the thing. He's not being subjected to the same laws I'm being subjected to. It is a two-tier justice system. I mean, I don't think it's the laws. It's the enforcement of is, the yeah. laws. Yeah. Um, that's the issue. And we've been poor at enforcing law for, mm. for generations now. I mean, again, Mizzy says that UK law is weak. What he's saying is the application of the law is weak. Yeah. You know, he knows that what he's doing is wrong and he knows he should be punished for it, but you're not punishing me. I didn't make the laws. As, mm. He's not wrong. He's mm. not wrong. He didn't. You know, he should have been flogged dozens of times and he knows it. He's literally telling mm. you. And the thing is, people don't want to hear it because this now essentially just bursts the multicultural bubble. Oh, right. We can't just expect all of these cultures to act like us because they're different to us. They have different moral standards. They have different views on the world and they don't respect us. Right. We should have been enforcing all of this hard from the word go to stamp mm. them into the mold we wanted them in. Mm. That's basically what Mizzy is telling us. Mm. And he's just saying it to our faces and we don't like to hear it. But it, it goes beyond that because oh, I, beyond, yeah. I've worked with people who've been arrested 12 times for burglary hmm. and never sent down. Um, I've worked with people who were... First time, bam. Yeah, I know people who are barred from all the shops in Manchester City Centre because hmm. of prolific shoplifters. And as long as they don't, as long as they steal, whatever they steal is under £100 or something, hmm. the police don't even turn up. Hmm. So now it's just legalised. Yeah shoplifting now because the police won't come if it's under £100. Yeah. 
and it's the enforcement of the law in our court system mm. that need some strong people in them. But we don't need new laws. No, no. We no. just need to enforce the laws we have. But but Mizzy doesn't know the ins and outs of this. No, he, he just doesn't. knows that whenever he gets caught, he's let off. So he's like, UK law is weak. And he's right. Yeah. He's right. And finally, Daniel says, the older I get, the more I agree with something said in one of the Hornblower novels, that beating boys is a moral duty because otherwise they become monsters. And this kid has proven my point. Well. Spare the rod, spoil the child. I mean, it's literally been known since time immemorial. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. We'll see you there.